Lord, we just come before you. We just come before you, Father. We want to lean on your Holy Spirit. We want to lean on you.
What is <clears throat> to sow? To sow is to invest in time, energy, resources, and yes, the big one, money. And what is to reap? To reap is the return, the reward. <clears throat> See, I, I grew up. I grew up in a. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it, maybe a working, blue-collar, working-class, blue-collar family. Which was awesome, there's nothing wrong with it, but like, there are certain lessons I wish, I mean, I wish I got this when I was like 13 and 15. <clears throat> and it, it was this principle. Poorer people and middle-class people work to make money. Of course, so you do, you work, you make, make money, okay, work overtime. That was my mentality. Well, like, upper middle class people and wealthy people, they unlock something. And the something is, well, if you want to make money, have your money work for you. Look, it was, I was like 25 when I was like, I finally realized that. I was like, oh, you don't just work more hours, you don't just like put in overtime. You get your money to work for you through investment. Through investment. It's good. Investing in something, sowing into something. Now, the, the, the emphasis and the reason why we're talking about it is one of the foundational principles during our sermon series is this. It is like, I, I, like there's not many times the Lord emphasizes such weird and strong and mysterious language. What does he say in this? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Well, obviously, the Holy Spirit is speaking through Paul, but do not be deceived. God is not mocked. It's like, this is going to happen. Whatever you sow into, you will reap. Whatever you invest into, you will receive reward. And so the interesting here is, don't be deceived. Because many of us are in denial of what's going to happen when we sow into things. Now here's the thing. Everyone and everything on earth sows. You invest into something. It's good. Could be good. Bad, flat on evil. But everyone invests their time, energy, resources into something. God will not be mocked. You will reap from it. It's good, Dad. Woo! And there's like a lot of examples of what we can do. You know, what are you sowing your time into? What are you putting into your body, into your temple, into your system? What are you putting into your mind? Come on. What are you using your time for? You will reap all of them. Because God will not be mocked, amen? <laughs> so to unlock this little mystery right here is this. <clears throat> I'm not, not sure how many like, historians are, are out there, but a lot of this has to do, the reason why I'm giving this message is because of something that came out of the Protestant Reformation. So prior to Reformation, Martin Luther, Germany, first nation to print the Bible other than in Latin, at least European nation, revolutionary. So amazing how the Lord works, right? First printing press, Martin Luther, same time, boom, combines together. Now people can read the Bible and the lingua franca in their own language, and then they can question the priests, and they, well, uh, what about this? What about that? <clears throat> and I'm, I don't want to knock it. It's a very, very powerful move of the Lord. That happened in the year 1517, largely in the northern European nations. That's why, if you ever notice, a lot of people from southern Europe are Catholic. People from northern Europe largely are Protestants because the Protestant Reformation largely happens in that area, right? In 
spreads to the United States. Why? Because the first people who come to the United States were of Northern and Western European ancestry. Boom. That's why America, at least traditionally, has been primarily Protestant. It's all about geography. And the Spirit of God, of course. Amen? Amen. So why am I talking about this, right? So the Catholic Church has the authority of the Church for like 1,500 years. Right? What about 1,000 years? In a sense. In, in many, many regards, right? The Holy Roman Catholic Church. <clears throat> and so Martin Luther is like, I, I don't like some of the things that you're teaching. And, and there's lots of different things. But for today's purpose, it, he really was teaching about this one of his 95 theses, if you guys remember that from high school. <clears throat> Ephesians 2, 8-9 For by grace are ye saved through faith in that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast. That's like the big thing. Uh, Dan, I was really hoping you would like this design. It's really <laughs> decent design. It's tough when your sister-in-law is an artist and you're like, oh, is this going to look good? <clears throat> beautiful, beautiful verse. It's an awesome verse. It's the word of God. It is something that we need to hold on to. There's no question about it. But there's, there's a little bit of an issue here when people take one verse of the Bible. That's good. And just run with it, right? That's good. Like, in the United States of America, uh, there's the, the legitimization in Christianity for slavery based off of one verse in Genesis. You gotta be careful when you just throw out one verse, right? You have to you have to look at the context. You gotta look at things. And so, yes, by grace we are saved. Absolutely. There is no question and no qualms about that. But let's just like fill out the message a little bit. James chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can faith save him? For brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body? What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. James. Grace empowers you to step out in some level of work. That's good. Right? Yeah. It's not out of striving, it's not out of legalism, it's out of an abundance of the love of the Father right. that's done for you. Like you can't contain it, right? Compelled. Compelled. It's just like, it's not like a duty, it's like, how can I not? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Now, okay, what am I, what, what, why am I bringing this all forward? It's kind of weird talking about the Protestant Reformation. It's because largely over time, not at first, over time, talk guys, 500 years ago, 502 years ago, a long time. Over time, what has happened is I really do believe that many believers have turned so inwardly into the concept of grace that we have really essentially been taking care of ourselves and we haven't really looked out to the external to what we have to do in that. This is the concept of sowing and reaping. And uh, you know, to fill this out, man, this is like this. I, I, came, I was going into this verse earlier uh, this week and last week, and I was just like, "Holy cow!" Revelation chapter twenty-two. And if anyone doesn't know, that's the last chapter of the Bible. 
Like, this is like the end of the end, right? This is like, this is the end of the quote-unquote story. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. This is Jesus speaking. And behold, I am coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to, not his faith, to his work. Wow, come on. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. This is amazing. This is like the last couple of verses, dozen verses or so of the Bible. He's saying, remember, I am coming with a reward. And to whom is the reward? For for whom is the reward? Anyone know? Those whose works he judges. Those whose works he judges. Jesus is sitting in heavenly places, is waiting for the day that he can come to earth and reward you for the investment and the sowing of what you've done in his kingdom. He's going to reward you not necessarily because of your faith entirely, although there is a component there, of course, but what your faith produces in your life. Good. And what the, your faith should be producing is work, a work of some sort. Not out of like, I have to, because I have to is not going to touch his heart. But then I'm compelled to, like, how can I not? Come on. Is where it's at. You, get, you hear my heart when I'm saying, you're, yeah. I'm not trying to get us all back to like dogma and, 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 and you have to do this and not do this, right? But a son who's overwhelmed with the inheritance of love from his father is compelled and utterly defined by the love that he's giving to others. Because he's worthy of it all. Now, with all this being said, do not be deceived. The Lord will not be mocked. Uh, people sometimes forget this, and I don't want to go like all crazy legalism stuff here and holy roller, but like, uh, like uh, there's a little healthy dose of remembrance. That do you know that the believers in the end of the age will be judged? Everything that you've done in your life, there's going to be an account for what you've done and what you haven't done. In front of the throne room of God. Like, that should humble you a little bit. Like, okay, like, I've been saved for something. I was saved not just from something, but into and for something. Like, to do something. This is what it means to be a disciple. Maybe not a, a Christian, but a disciple. Like, you go and do something. And so, you know, this is just, I'm going to ask a couple of questions today that I, that I really want to actually, like, pause on and have you really contemplate. So I want today to be a little bit more of a teaching kind of thing. Why is it that people do not sow and invest in things? Like, why do people actually not sow and invest What could be some of the reasons that would hold me from sowing into things? Now, it's a bit of a trick question. And I gave it away earlier. It's really not a question. Everyone sows into something. That's good. So then the question becomes, well, what am I sowing into? What kind of investment and return on my stock do I want? I probably don't want to invest in a Toys R Us stock right now. I probably want to invest in an Apple stock or something. I don't know. 
You gotta know what you're investing in. So here's the thing, everyone is invested. Let's give some examples, your body. The food that you, and the drink and the substances that you put into this temple, into this body, into this organism, you will reap. Yeah. And God will not be mocked. If you feed yourself with junk, you sow into junk, you get junk. junk. If you feed yourself healthy food, you get healthy living. Not healthy food, not healthy living. I mean, it's like, God's not going to be mocked. Like, it's just, it's a law, right? It's a law. It's a law. You can't break laws. All right, how about this one? Emotions. This is, a, this, is a, this, is a, this is a little tough. Emotions. What kind of investment of thoughts do you give? It's good, Dave. Investing thoughts. Emotions. Like, here's the thing. We, we, we invest emotions all the time, almost every moment. You invest emotions into yourself, into others, into circumstances, right? You know, you're going through a rough time with something. You become now doubtful. Well, if you invest doubt, you get more doubt. If you invest negativity of emotions, you are going to get negativity. If you invest positivity, and you invest goodness, and you think about those things which are holy and pure and righteous and good, you will reap. Come on. Time. Time, right? The one commodity, the one thing you never get back. It's good. What do you invest your time into? Well, I invest my time into watching TV. All right, what are you going to reap from that? The lessons and the morals and the ethics. Do you invest your time into work? Hey, man, that could be a good thing. Then you will invest or you will reap money from work. But if you invest into heavenly things, you will reap heavenly rewards. This is a very big thing. I'm going to leave it in your corner. I flip this thing. I could work 48 or 50 hours this week, but not come to a certain thing of church. Maybe it's Wednesday night prayer. Just one example. I could work 48 hours, but then I will not be able to do maybe prayer. It's good. Or you can say, I'm going to take my time and I'm going to forego the investment into heavenly thing, earthly thing. I'm going to invest it into heavenly thing. You only have so much time. Where are you putting your time? Come on. It doesn't have to be here at prayer. I mean, you get it. It's just an example. Evangelizing on the street. Having a Bible study with people. Discipling someone. I have no time to disciple new people in the faith. Well, you are sowing into the world. Right. Revelation 22. Come on. And I'm coming with my reward. Come on. And I will judge you by your works. Come on, there are people who are discipling others. And I know when the Lord comes back, he's like, oh, you could have worked a little bit more. You could have had a better vacation and a nicer car, but you didn't. You sowed it into a human being. 
He who has been made in the likeness and image of God. As you do unto them, it is like you're doing unto me. Oh, your reward is great then. Come you on. get what I'm saying? Come on. But I need more money. You probably know. <laughs> that was so cool. My grandmother was up last week, 97, grew up in the Great Depression, born 1922. We were talking, and she's like, my girlfriend, who is 98, like her girlfriend, like they're friends. They've been friends since third grade in Manhattan, and they're still alive. And they talk, and they say, we were poor, but we didn't know it. We didn't know it. There's food on the table. You played outside. You did your thing. We were poor. We didn't know it. You don't have to work more. It's a lie. I mean, unless you're like, you're like on a government subsidy. If you're on a government subsidy, all right, it's time to work more. Or find, or find, a, or find a, 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 a job that's going to pay more. You know, something like that. Bearing disability, you know, please hear my heart. I'm not saying you're on welfare, it's, it's an evil thing. But, 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 you know, outside of that, you're probably making enough money to live. You're not really poor, completely. And so where are we investing our, our, our time to? And then, of course, so that's body, emotions, time, and now, of course, money. Come on. This is the one that, you know, of course I had to save for last because, you know, this always gets people like all funky. Money. Yeah, right? So, uh, for example, your money can be used for really, really good things. I mean, you know, you can, you can use your money to help other people. You can use your money to invest and build a business. By building a business, you're giving other people jobs. You're creating a service and a good and a product that people would want and use, making life better. I'm really happy that Bill Gates made a lot of money. I'm fine with that. Because that was the motivation for him to like, make an operating system that we all can use. I'm like pretty okay that Steve Jobs was motivated by money because I have this really cool smartphone that my, makes my life a lot better. I'm, that's cool. It's good. Like they're making products, they're, people have jobs, it's a good thing. You know, you can invest uh, money into education to reap a return. But then you can also invest money on your comforts and your wants. And you're using your money to sow into those things to feel more comfortable. I know a certain level of comfort is, is, is understandable, but the problem here is as you get comfortable, you get, you get weaker. When you get weaker, you need more things to feel more comfortable. Hence my grandmother's like, we had nothing, but we didn't think we were poor. Well, why do I feel like I need more money? Because you got weak. You got too comfortable. So the bar, right, the bar just, you know, I need the bigger house, the bigger thing. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing, because the, the, there's a balance, which we've got to talk about. But you can reap into earthly things, or you can reap into heavenly things. If you, reap, if, you, if you sow into earthly things, you will receive a reaping of earthly things, which are sometimes good. Like, I like my house. I like my boots. Yes. I, I like my dog. I, you know, I, I like things. I, I like being able to do things. It's not that it's negative, always. But there's got to be an understanding of like what what are what's out of your heart. What are you really sowing into? Yeah. Amen. And there's always an opportunity of, of being able to sow into uh, into heavenly things. Amen. It's good day. So I'm, I'm calling this the, the four investments. Okay, the four investments. Body, emotion, time, and money. Like these are all things that at any given point you can invest in. Right? You put junk in your body or healthy things in your body. You put good emotions into your mind and out to other people and 
and, and, and all that, and time, and of course, money. These are the four things that are always there. And so now we ask the question, well, why is it that many people, even those in the church, invest so much into the carnal, fleshly, earthly thing? It's good. This is really the hinge of the message today. Like, like, let's think about Why would someone say, you know what? Investing in the heavenly things, I'd rather invest into the earthly thing, the carnal thing. And some of those fleshy things are good. Some of them aren't so good. It's good, Dave. Some of it is too good, and you probably keep like pair it back a little bit and invest into heavenly things. It's good, W. Why? I mean, so tell me, think about this. It's all right. Well, one obvious thing is if someone's carnal mind, someone's flesh is too strong in them, right? The flesh is strong. Come on. You got to beat it back. Come on. You got to crucify the flesh. Like, kill it. It's already dead to sin, but you need to understand, realize it, right? So if your carnal flesh is a little stronger or a lot stronger than your spirit, right? Feed me. Right? Give it to me. So fine. That's that. But I really think as I was praying for the Lord, I, I really feel like there, there's more. There's a deeper. There's a, there's a more complex, deeper rooted thing that is going on. It's this. Fine. You have the carnal mind. That's one reason why you want to invest in the only the earthly things. But I really believe, when you, when you take a look at this, I believe it is a belief system. Yeah. You've generated a belief system of your mind, which many people call the poverty spirit. That's good, Dave. So those of you who may not have come across this before, what is the poverty spirit? It's a belief system that has been created for you. It's a belief that there is a lack. And there always will be a lack. In economics, uh, when teaching it, uh, we talk about the law of scarcity. There's only so many goods and materials on planet Earth that everyone essentially wants to use. The law of scarcity, there's only so much of this. There's only so much gold, and there's only so much iron, and there's only so much water. Law of scarcity that governs all things. It's good. Those things which are more scarce are more money. Those things which are less scarce are cheaper. But this is the belief system. This belief system that enters into people. It's very, very dangerous in the church. It's going to hold you back from receiving heavenly rewards. I have a spirit of lack. as a poverty spirit. I believe that there's only so much. So then, therefore, I must hold on to. I need to withhold sowing into heavenly things. Because I'm afraid it's going to run out. I need to hold on to it to conserve. Now, this is the warning with all this, and I really want to emphasize this, because let our minds go to money. This is not just about money. This is, a, dude, this is like, this is about everything. It's about your time. Oh, you have so much time. Your emotions, your energy, your minds, your thoughts, your activities, your resources, your life. Yeah. But I need to hold on to all this. Why do you need to hold on to it? Because you have a spirit of poverty on you. Come on. Or in you. And the Spirit is saying that you need to protect what you have. It's good, Dave. <laughs> right, really? Jesus kind of says the opposite. Come on. Don't protect. Let it go. Come on. It's good. All right. Now, with all of this, I, I want to really emphasize it's not just money. I told you, it needs to be a little more teaching. So we have these are foundational principles that we need to understand. Right. Yes, by grace we are saved. Yes, but he's going to judge me by my works, what I've done to some extent. How much have I withheld to the kingdom? Come on. Where was your heart, David? Were you there just protecting your own kingdom? 
David, are, are you there to enlarge the kingdom of heaven, or are you there to enlarge the kingdom of David Greenockle's name? Come on. These are things, man, especially as a pastor, I've got to be like, Lord, I don't care about my name. I care about your name. I don't care about this building. I care about your church, your bride. There's a time you like, well, how come you're going on a missions trip? How come you're going? You're the pastor here. Because the kingdom is bigger than here. Come on. And my eyes are set on the kingdom, not necessarily just this. I need to give away. I need to sow into the kingdom. In addition to sowing into the kingdom that's here. Because I need to protect myself and make sure I'm not here just to build my name. Build his name. With all this, money is a great example. Why is it such a great example? Because people hold it so dear to them. That's why. Right? I mean, it is like probably the substance that we hold mostly, mostly most dear. And so I hope you can follow me. I hope I don't lose people on this, but this is like such a, this is such a powerful concept, I think. I really do believe in the, in the modern age that there is a modern public agenda. Listen, I believe that there is a modern public agenda. And that public agenda by the spirit of the age is to produce a feeling of lack. It's good, man. Yeah. Because if we can produce a feeling of lack in you, we can sell you something yeah. to fill it, right? But it's more than that. If I can sow into you a feeling of lack, I can make brother against brother. This is class warfare. This is, oh, the wealthy. What did, what did they do for their money? I'm poor. This happened to me. Blah, blah, blah. It is the sowing into your spirit of spirit of lack, which creates division. It's good, Dave. And it's an agenda that is all over the news and all over the newspapers. All oh, the 1%. 1% wealthy people. Listen, look, there are wealthy people that don't use their money for good things. Right. And there are wealthy people that use their money for really good things. Right. And some people obtain money not in the nicest of ways, and sometimes people obtain it in a very good way. If I was a betting man, I would probably say that most of the majority of people who are like that 1% probably obtain their money in very good, healthy ways. By investing in the communities, by creating a product that you really like, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. But the public agenda is like, no! How dare they? So, one of my favorite writers, which if you want to know who, you can tell me later. I want to tell you now because some of you will be mad. Said it this way. The fact that they, Americans, were the people who created the phrase to make money. No other language or nation had ever used these words before. Men had always thought of wealth as a static quantity to be seized, begged, Inherited, shared, looted, or obtained as favor. Americans were the first to understand that wealth has to be created. It's amazing. Wow. There isn't a lack. You don't have less money because the wealthy people took all of it. That's a lie. It's a spirit of lack. It's a poverty spirit. If you feel uncomfortable by this quote, you probably have the poverty spirit. Yeah. Look, wealth is not hoarded. This person says in the past, that's how people looked at it. The English colonialization going around, taking all the products, taking all the gold, mining all the resources in third world and developing countries. America had its share of that, but not nearly to the same extent of the European powers. Because Americans understood a concept. We can stay home and create new things. And if we create new things, we actually create more value. That is why a country of 13 colonies surpassed its mother country, England, right? Because we adopted this concept first in 1776. 
Wow. Beautiful. I mean, Declaration of Independence, the wealth of nations, the foundation of capitalism are published in the same year, 1776. It's an amazing, amazing concept. But people want to tell you, no, 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 other people have things and they've hoarded it to themselves. No, they haven't. We create value. That's good, Dan. How do you create value? By sowing. That's good. And it's not just sowing your money. Sowing your time, your energy, resources, your emotions into the things that you want to see value in. It's not just about money. You can take this and exchange money and put it in emotions. You don't hoard emotions. Emotions aren't given to you. You actually are able to generate your own emotions by the perception of what you are, who you are, and what you think about a certain circumstance. I lost my job. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, great. I really didn't like that job. It's an opportunity for God to show me a better way to have a bit more money. Come on. How do you phrase it? Create the value. And for those of you who aren't quite getting this concept, money is not hoarded. It's created value. It's created. For example, the United States GDP right now is somewhere around $22 trillion. Do you think 100 years ago people were like, yeah, there's $22 trillion worth of wealth on no. Where did all that extra money come from? It did not come from a mine in Africa. Where did it come from? It came from the minds of people. That's good, man. Generating new ideas, generating new products, generating new things, which create the value, create the money. But in the 21st century, especially you young people, like the college campuses and all that, are trying to tell you, no, you deserve to have more because they robbed it from you. No, they didn't. They created value because they chose to sow into those things which would have a return. That's so good, Dave. You have to sow into places where you want the return. It's, it's, it's a law. It's a law. Remember, it's more than money. You create wealth by investment. You sow into the Spirit in all things, and you will receive a reward, a reaping of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. And like I said, it's more than money. Positivity. You're going to create a healthy mind. Amen. Right? Keep speaking positivity. Be the person in the crowd that is positive. It's good. You're going to healthier mind. Good. Emotions and time. Dude, you want healthier relationships? Invest your emotion and invest your time. Look, I have poison ivy from my hairline down to my toes. Again. Last year, I got that. I went to my second most favorite place on planet Earth, quote unquote. That's Sesame Place. Those of you who know me know I don't like it there. What's your favorite? My favorite, rather least favorite place on planet Earth is Disney World. And today, after church, of course, poison ivy. When poison ivy comes back, I know we're going to Hershey Park. <laughs> now, I gotta be honest, we're going with my, my sister-in-law, brother-in-law, mother-in-law, other brother-in-law, other sister-in-law, we're all getting in the car, and I love them dearly, but I'd much rather go to Montana in 75 degree heat and go fly fishing than to go to Hershey Park. <laughs> with thousands of people that smell. With poison ivy all over me in a hundred degree heat. I am not looking forward to that. Now, why am I going? 
because I want to invest time, energy, and resources into relationship so I reap a healthy relationship. You get what I'm saying? It's good. Do you, uh, uh, look, close your ears. I don't want to go. Do you hear me? I do not want to go. I'm going to miss out on like three days of jujitsu. I'm not going to be able to go for a run. It's, I mean, I love all of them, just not in this kind of context. So why am I going? I'm going because I love not Hershey Park, I love the relationship. I want to invest the time, the energy, the resources, and the money for Hershey Park. And you're like, just not just me, it's me, my wife, two kids. We were just talking yesterday, like, like 15 bucks for like a frozen chicken patty or something. Yeah, I'm gonna take my kids out to eat, they're gonna eat half of it, right? Right? Like each lunch is gonna be like sixty bucks. You're like, what do we buy? It's a popcorn chicken. Like, <laughs> and then there you go. Music parks now. We, you're not allowed to bring any food or your own drink into the music park. You're like, oh, come on. So all that being said, I'm doing it because I love the relationship. Invest that. And so positivity, healthy mind, emotions, time, healthy relationship. Good. And of course, money, uh, which will. Obviously, further the kingdom. Okay? Alright, we can have the uh, worship team come on now and try to speed this up a little bit. So, yeah, uh, money is part of sowing into all this. 1 Timothy 6.10 Money is the root of all evil. No. Good. What is it? The love of love. Okay. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Huge decision. Right? I'm just going to throw this out there. If you are continually worried about finances, where the money's coming from, always, always, always concerned about penny pinching, there is a very good chance that you have the love of money. No, no, people that love money waste their money on all these frivolous, expensive things. I, I am responsible for my money. And I save and I work hard and I'm all. You, you save it? Hold on to it? You're worried about it? You won't give it away? You love it. Love it? Wealthy people are not the only people that have the love of money. There's a lot of not wealthy people that probably have more of a love of money because it rules so much in their life. It dictates their minds and their thoughts and their emotions and their peace or lack thereof. I get my peace from Jesus, not from a bank account. Come on. But if I got to hold on to it because, oh my God, where's the bill? Money's going to come from the bill. And look, we spent too much money. Blah, blah, blah. You love it. Now, look, obviously there's a responsibility, right? Or like you blow my money on frivolous things, your kids don't have any shoes or something, right? You get what I'm saying? But these people that are like fearful of the money and I don't know if I'm gonna have it, and we're gonna you love money. Poor people may not actually have this poverty spirit. But the poorest of people, particularly in other countries, there's like no poverty spirit there. There's like giving, right? Giving, giving like in Kenya, right? I mean, people are just like, you felt so bad, they're just like they have no money, but they're just like giving it to you, you know? Yeah, mining is over food, and like you're eating, you're like, when was the last time they ate like meat? Or you know, you're like, 
oh my gosh, you know? So there's a lot of poor people that don't have that power of the spirit. Like my grandmother said, we were poor, we didn't know it. And there's a lot of wealthy people, I'm not saying it's a lot, but there, there are wealthy people who may actually do have that power of the spirit. Because it's not what's in your bank account, it's what's in your body. Come on. It's in your heart, it's Come in your on. soul. That's what's dictating the spirit, amen? So here it is, man. What is this pirate spirit? It's this. It is a spirit of lack. It is a spirit of holding on to. It is a spirit of fear. It is a spirit of not knowing who you are in Messiah. And it's all about protecting the flesh. That's what it's about. And if you got that, you're not going to sow into heavenly things. Come on, man. With your pocketbook, with your time, with your resources, because I lack I need to hold on to, and I like my flesh. That's not Jesus, right? What are the characteristics of this poverty spirit? And remember, because we always want to default to money, it's not just about money, it's about time, resources, emotions. Essentially, it is all of you. It's you, you as a being. You're worthy of me, me giving you all. It's the it to the song, worthy of it. It's everything I got, man. And so I want to go through these kind of quickly for the sake of time. Because, you know, I have to go to Hershey. You need to get lunch first. Got to get lunch first. Look, this is anonymous. I use going to label one to eight, I think, on your paper. You're going to put a check mark if you think you, you do this. And you're going to put an X if you don't. I would say if, like... If you have, I don't know, maybe like 30% more checks, then you probably are dealing with the Holy Spirit. Like a check mark. X like, no, that's not me. Check is, yeah, that's me. Oh, man. Oh, so we're just going to read through them real quick, and then I'll explain it. Because everyone's going to read all of them. I learned that in high school. They teach in high school. Everyone's just going to read all eight. So let's just read all eight real quick, and then we'll go back to them, okay? Not, if you're not content, if you have a story mentality, if you're stingy, if you're critical of people with money, if, you're talk, if you believe talking about money is bad, if you have a concept known as love begging, if you envy, and if you worry and fear. Now, before you write the checks and the crosses, or X's, let me explain to you so you really understand what we're talking about. Okay? So not content. Obviously, it's a, it's a feeling that you always need more. It doesn't have to be more money. It could be more attention. I need more attention. Not content. Like, they need to show me more love. Like, I need people to be with me more. Or maybe you're doing something. You know, Alan and I work out together. It might be like, I'm not content where I am. I just need to get more and be better and be better and be better. Okay, so you feel like there's only so much of being good at something that there is, and you have to get your fair share before other people beat you to it. So being not content in things. It doesn't have to be just money. It can be getting attention. It can be really anything. Uh, the second one is a storing mentality. This is the spirit of like hoarding. It's the fear of scarcity. I need to hold on to. And so this poverty spirit may even hold on to emotions and hurt. This is weird. Someone hurt me and I wasn't able to let it go. I need to hold on to that resentment. 
You're holding on to it. Why? You have a spirit of poverty on you. You don't want to be healed and you don't believe you can be healed and you don't believe that the relationship could ever be restored because it's gone, it's over, so I need to hoard what I do have and that's bitterness, hate, disgust. It's really nasty. But you can hold and hoard onto your emotions. Being stingy. You know, you see someone in need. Ah, that person doesn't need it. They don't deserve it. I worked hard for our money. Maybe they, probably, maybe they didn't work as hard. They made a bad decision. Obviously, when you're giving sums of money, particularly large sums of money, you've got to be wise in who you give to and what you give to. But once again, it's not what's in the pocket, it's what's in the heart. I'll be stingy with my emotions because this person hurt me. And I'm, I, I'm not, now I'm not going to... Fine, I may have to create a healthy boundary with this person, but now I'm so wounded, so stingy about my heart, my emotions, that I cannot have healthy emotions with other people. You have a, a stinginess. Uh, critical of people with money. This is this is a great one, right? Well, they're wealthy. What did they get? What did they do to get their money? They probably did something not nice, and they're just greedy, and they're just whoa, man talking like that you have such a love of money you don't even understand it this one is uh, always hard for me talking about money talking about money is bad or awkward or strange right it's like 90% of Americans well why is it so strange to talk about money because we're afraid about it like how much what's your salary uh That's a little awkward if you just went up to someone like, yo, what's your money? But like, you're, you know, you're with someone, you're with a friend, you're with family, and you're like, oh, you know, well, you know, I did kind of well this year. Oh, really? Yeah, it was just too well. And just. If you're ashamed by it, right? You're ashamed by how much you make. Maybe you make too little. Maybe you make too much in other people's eyes. You don't want to think that you're showing off. If, if this kind of thing is, is going on, you know, it's just poverty mindset. Uh, this one, love begging, very important, very important for young adults. I see it all the time. Love begging. You're seeking attention from other people, either romantically, physically, and even platonic love, like friendships. Right? Like, you never felt the love, and now you're like, you're always begging for someone's love. This is like the, the proverbial, like, high school girl who's dating a whole bunch of guys. She goes from one relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship to the next one. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Or, the, or the guy who's like needs to get love from his guy friends by like beating up people or being the cool guy on the block. You're begging, begging. So you don't feel love and value. So you jump from place to place. Someone's got to fill it. Well, they're never going to fill it because it's missing in you. It's very common among young adults, unfortunately. Uh, envy, of course. Being jealous of what people have and, and the big one. Worry and fear. Worthy. Worry and fear is a belief that there is not protection and that there is not provision by God. And so in order to hopefully drive the nail into the coffin here, some spiritual evidence of all. And you can figure that out and go to your spouse or loved one or family member and figure out how much you got. Look, scriptural evidence for, for all this stuff I've been talking about. Do you sow and invest 
only into yourself. Because everyone sows. The question is, do you sow into yourself? Or do you give it away? Well, Mark 8, 34, he who saves his life will lose it. He who loses his life shall save it. What is your life? He who saves his life will lose it. He who gives his life away will save it. Well, what's your life? Your life is everything. Your time, your energy, your money, your resources, your emotions. It's everything. You hold on to it, you're going to lose your life. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens. All right, they don't have enough money to get the bills paid. They don't have enough money for food. All right, we'll bear their burden. I'll be bearing the burden of, I got to give some time to someone because they don't have like anyone in their life to sow into them. No. All right, you got to bear that burden. Uh, I'm going to listen to their emotional junk again. Yes, bear their burden, it says in Galatians, and fulfill the law of Christ. To bear the burdens of others and sowing into others into all of your things fulfills the law of Christ. Another concept, you were saved to give away. Acts 20.35, it is better to give than to receive. It's better to give than to receive. Well, why is that? Because it's this. When you give in all things, you are sowing into the Spirit and will reap things of the Spirit. So when you're giving, you're sowing into spiritual things and then you'll reap spiritual rewards. That's why it's better to give than receive. Not just to flutter you yet, it's because you're sowing into spiritual things. Why should we sow? Why should we sow into things? Why are you telling me to sow into the kingdom of God? Why are you telling me to sow into individuals? One, I'll just, I'll just talk to your own flesh. You will reap a blessing. You will reap a blessing from it. That's one reason. Another reason. God commands that you sow into the things of the Spirit. A third thing. Why do I sow and invest in the people and into the kingdom of God? Because it's the heart of God. James chapter 1, 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. By sowing into people, by sowing into things, by sowing into the kingdom of God, you are able to show and exhibit the nature of Christ to people. He's a giver. We get to partake in that. Trust God's provision. If you sow, you're getting rid of that fear of I will not have enough. It becomes a sacrifice. A sacrifice is giving when it hurts. If you just give, that's just a gift. But a sacrifice needs to be a pain involved. And when there's pain involved, you're like, whoa, now I'm not really need to look to the Lord for his provision monetarily, emotionally, time-wise, all of that. You know what I'm saying? My personal favorite is, um, actually, no, we're not there yet. Sorry. He should have, uh, I should have called him all sorry. I like it, though. 
Another reason is that it promotes God's sanctification. By sowing into people you're denying the self, you are crucifying the flesh, you're peeling back the flesh, you are getting rid of the sinful nature when you have to step out and you're sowing into people and into things, particularly with money. Uh, sixth thing is that it advances God's kingdom. It takes resources of all kinds to advance God's kingdom. It takes time, it takes energy, it takes people, it takes thoughts, it takes emotion, it takes love, and it takes money. A lot of money. Sometimes. A lot of times. Advancing God's kingdom. Do you want to sow all time, money, emotions, all that into God's kingdom or not? Psalm 115, 16. The heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he gave unto man. He gave us this place. He gave us soil so that we sow into and then my most, the one that I really like is this. Submit to God's leadership. When we sow into things that we really don't feel like sowing into, you're submitting to God and His leadership. See, every act of obedience, every act of obedience recognizes that there's a higher authority in our lives. That he is Lord over all of me. Okay? Our submission to God is really tested in the areas where our own nature and situation make obedience more difficult. This is, this is the one where people say, hey, I really don't have a lot of time to give to the kingdom. So I'm just going to write you a check. Thanks for the check. But God is not Lord over your life right now. You have not submitted that to him. I'm just going to write a check because I don't have the time. God wants your time. Like, you don't have to work on the money thing. You got that down. Like, you need to invest the time. These people are like, oh, I don't have the time, so I'll just write the check. No. He wants the time and the check. And then there's my, my personal fear is people that are going through, like, financial struggle. They're like, well, I don't have the money to sow into the kingdom, but I'll give you my time. Well, you're the opposite. You have time that you're generous in. But that's not a sacrifice. That's not a submission. No, when you're lacking in something, that's when the sacrifice comes in. Like if you're lacking in time, you're like, Lord, I'm not going to use my time for these things, but I'm going to use my time for your kingdom. That's where the real sowing of blessing comes into. Lord, I don't have a lot of money and things are tight. Yes, that's when you become a sacrifice. That's the widow's might. I'm not saying don't let your kids eat. But maybe you're not eating as nice as they are. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not doing something. Like it's so easy to hide behind a thing that you're so good at. That's not a sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? All right. Last thing, honestly, Revelation chapter 4, 25 to 29. So we can get this 
all finished it. Actually, chapter 2, sorry. Revelation chapter 2. I can never pronounce the church right. But now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira. 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 Sort of the uh, churches in the book of Revelation. As many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depth of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden. But hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my Amen. works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. I also have received from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Keeps my works, my commandments, my works, until the end. Like, you just read this, we're like, oh, my belly's grumbling, I want to go eat. Do you hear this? He who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He is going to rule with a rod of iron. But we get to rule with nations, not anyone. Just, not just anyone is going to be able to rule nations. Remember, I am coming with my reward. And I will look to your works. What does it say here? Those who have kept my works, my word, my commandments, sowing, all of this kind of stuff. If you have lived out your faith by works and sowing into Captain Heavenly Things, you at last, at the end of age, will reap the most unbelievable reward. You will be ruling instead of, not instead of, but in place, in conjunction with Jesus over nations. Does that, like, does that not fire you up? Like, I want to be the judge over, like, Mongolia or something. Like, it's un amazing authority and power. Amazing authority and power. Come on. So, Lord, we just come before you, and I just pray right now that people would just get rid of this, like, oh, it's all about money. It's not all about money. It's about your heart of poverty. It's a poverty of emotion. It's a poverty of energy. It's a poverty of your body. Like, ah, my body is this way, so I'm just going to keep feeding it junk because I am junk. No, you're made in the image of God. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Feed it and with sowing into good things. Time, energy, emotions that we give to people, Lord. Father, I pray that we just free ourselves up that we think that there's a lack of things and a lack of time. There is not a lack of time. For I have been saved and now I am walking and residing in eternity. Forever I shall exist. That is the opposite of the lack of time. There always will be time. Because I am in Him. And I want to reap heavenly rewards, Lord. And I want to bless your heart. So Father, I just break off the spirit of poverty that rules and seems to rule, particularly the Northeast. There's such a love of money in this area. And it needs to go. And it needs to be broken. And it needs to first be broken in the church. 
I don't think I've ever said this as a pastor, but I'm going to say it now. I, you can vouch for people, I've never said this. If you are not tithing, you are not in the obedience of the work of the Father. I'm not saying it has to be 10%. I'm not saying it has to be 50%. But if you are not giving until there's a little bit of a sting, then you are not sowing into the kingdom. You're not. And that's okay if you want to just read earthly things. I'm telling you this, I've never said this either. If you are not sowing time into the kingdom of God, Look, I just need to get my groceries and get out of there. And don't stop and show compassion and love and witness the beauty of salvation to someone in the grocery store and to your family and to your neighbor. You are not walking in the works, the word, and the commandment of Jesus. You're not. And you'll get into heaven. But I'm not about just getting into heaven. I want to see his kingdom on earth. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand? We're going to invite the ushers to come on down. I wanted to change things around. Not because I wanted to twist your arm and make you feel bad to give money that you don't have or that you wouldn't. No, no, no. I don't, I don't, I don't really care about that so much. We're, we're in a good place financially at this church. But I wanted, and I felt like the Lord was just saying during, right before coming to church, is that I felt like the Lord was just saying, like, how can you not give people an opportunity to respond? Good. Like, we just didn't tie an offering 20, 30 minutes ago, and, but now, like, it's, it's an opportunity of response. And so maybe you usually give a dollar, and now you give a dollar 25. So you just want to seal the deal. Say, I just, Lord, I, I just, I don't want to engage in the spirit of the world that is a spirit of lack that promotes division. But I know you're a good, good father. I know you provide. I just want to sow. I want to sow into heavenly things, to kingdom things, with time, with emotions. Amen? So we're going to have Bill close us out with our ushers. Mario will continue to lead worship. Feel free to just be in his presence. Spend time sowing into the kingdom right here in prayer and in worship. Have a wonderful week. And the one announcement we just take a look at the bulletins. There's, there's a couple of more ones this week. But they're straightforward. Here's, uh, here's Bill. Glory to God. Glory to God. He is a provider. He does provide. If he didn't provide, I'd still be in the woods with my wife and kids. But he's brought us out of the woods because we, we chose to sow into his kingdom through his son Amen. Jesus Christ. We all have that same opportunity today, right now, this moment, to sow into his kingdom. And we have all tasted the Holy Spirit. We know it's good. Yes. In order to continue, we need to share a little bit of ourselves. And most of what we think about, most of the time, is money. Yeah. This is our chance now to plant the seed into the kingdom 
and watch and see what God is going to do. Okay? There is no limit to what God can do. No limit at all. As we sowed, sowed shall we reap. Yes. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you.